Physics. I'm Charles Xavier. Would you like some breakfast? Where am I? Westchester, New York. You were attacked. My people brought you here for medical attention. I don't need medical attention. Yes, of course. Where's the girl? Rogue? She's here. She's fine. Really? Ah, Logan. I'd like you to meet Aurora Monroe, also called Storm. This is Scott Summers, Hello. also called Cyclops. They saved your life. I believe you've already met Dr. Jean Grey. You're in my school for the gifted, for mutants. You'll be safe here from Magneto. What's a Magneto? A very powerful mutant who believes that a war is brewing between mutants and the rest of humanity. Good evening, folks. I'm feeling excellent. Excellent. Ah, right. I heard that as like, I thought that was a pun on eggs, and I thought, what's that got to do with this series? <laughs> I didn't pick up. Do you up expect us Well, you know, I mean, Patrick Stewart is a bit of an egghead, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. He's bald. Yes, <laughs> and later on, we'll get to see how that happened. <sighs> anyway. Yes, because... Because that needs, yeah, because that needs an explanation, doesn't it? Because, hair just doesn't seem to just disappear. Men, men, never, men never go bald, so it's got to yeah, be a story it's, it's always there. by some traumatic accident or yeah, we know or lifestyle choice. Guys, you know. Yeah, he was getting ready for a swimming competition. That's what it was. Um, all right, so Becca, we, we, I believe we're moving on to something new. We are. We begin a new chapter of evolution as we cover X-Men series, starting with X-Men. They must have been up all night naming that fucking thing. What shall we call this? What shall we call this comic? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Was there a triple X-Men porn parody? I've, I've not looked into this. Why not, Dave? I'm shocked. <laughs> no. What? What, what, like, like, you know, lots of Vin Diesels? Well, possibly. Triple X. <laughs> Triple X. Triple X is a, a bit later Agent on in this X. film. Okay, so who's in this film? Yes, so tonight we are reviewing the first in the X-Men series, entitled X-Men, starring Hugh Jackman, Harley Berry, Ian McKellen, Funky Hanson, Patrick Stewart, Anna Paquin, James Martin, Ray Park, Rebecca Ramin, whose name I can never pronounce, and Bruce Davison, with original music by Michael Carmen. I can't say his name either, <laughs> Michael no, you got Rebecca Romain right, and you got Michael Kamen wrong. <laughs> but I, I can never pronounce his name. I don't know why. I do apologise. Michael Ramen noodles. Yeah. Okay. Um, this was 
would we agree this is you could argue Blade, but it, this is the film that started the modern superhero craze, wasn't it? Yeah, because this was actually before um, Spider-Man. Yeah, a couple of years before Spider-Man. And I, I very rarely remember grosses without looking, but I know this had an opening weekend of 54 million, which was big, big mm. for that time. I mean, Spider-Man would do considerably more a couple of years down the line, but you can trace it back to Blade, but Blade is barely a superhero film, even though it's like on, on the Marvel imprint. It's it's kind of something else, and it's aimed at an adult audience anyway. The Batman films Where's were coming this, out. Where's the action Yeah. I, mean, I think that was, it was more kind of... Um framed out at the time it was like a wesley snipes sort of action film that involved vampires yeah uh, and uh so that was 98 this was in the year 2000 and of course a couple of years down the line we get the initial incarnation of sort of big screen spider-man we get uh hulk which obviously again didn't end up becoming a series but obviously it's it all accelerates after this daredevil um, Hellboy and, and so on in the sort of four or five years that follow this Superman comes back with Superman Returns which actually will have a direct impact on this series as we go along we <laughs> when they when the <laughs> series bigger, well no it just it replaced one social pariah with another because <laughs> Brian Singer was replaced by Brett Ratner because mm. he went off to do that mm. so uh, when he was originally going to direct this <laughs> he was originally set to do this wasn't he he was so, um, Brett Ratner's so that's a I, fun fact early fun fact for you folks doing, yeah. he's been doing some um, controversial films or films starring controversial people so uh, yeah trigger war yeah it, it, it's, it's growing quite rapidly these days isn't it yeah. it is it is growing really rapidly so um, I, I feel a bit nervous mentioning this guy because uh, it was offered to Robert Rodriguez Paul W.S. Anderson was offered it God, could you imagine what that would have been like that would have been oh my god um and yeah, the, then the usual. Well, it, 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 it would have been offered. He would have gone nah. Now, now the usual suspects director Brian Singer was looking into doing. This is literally Wikipedia. He was looking into doing a science fiction film, and he was offered Alien Resurrection. But a producer, oh. sort of within that company, was having to think about it. Sort of think he might be appropriate for X Men, um, which he didn't want to do. But then, when of course he was told a little bit more about X Men, there were themes within it that would speak to him, as uh, as both a gay man and an adop- uh, an adopted child. Yeah, definitely. In terms of certainly somebody who might have been like other, for example, then I think yeah, this this film would, would definitely speak to him for sure. Absolutely. So um, he did. Ap- uh, yeah, between the usual suspects and this, he did apt pupil which was um, also with, uh, what's he called, Ian McKellen was in that as well. Have you, have you both seen that Pupil? I have years ago, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I remember it being I've got good. it on. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. film, say. I've got it on DVD, but I don't think I've sat through it. But yeah, it's, it's it one of those you kind of good. need to yeah. be in the pre- be in a certain frame of mind, you know, yeah. because you know, sit down and watch it, and it's one of those films where mm. you, you do have to pay attention. It's not you can just sort of let it wash over yeah. you, sort of thing. But the boy in that the boy in that film was Brad Renfro, who mm. uh, went on to die at the age of twenty five from a heroin overdose. Very sad. Um, I have a feeling he was in. Yes, he was. He was in the client, the Joel Schumacher film as well. Based yeah, on... but you can tell from those sort of films though. He did. He had so much potential, and yeah. obviously, you know, being being quite famous at such a young age yeah. didn't make up for him. Plus, but you know, it's just a shame. But he did have so much potential. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed that people well, because he enjoyed it in that respect. But it was a really good film, yeah. as was Usual Suspects. I think it's probably one of the um, certainly one of the best films of, of that decade. So, in terms of um, casting for this film, there was. Uh, 
back in the mid to uh, mid nineteen nineties, Glenn Danzig was invited to audition for the <laughs> role of Wolverine. Glenn Danzig, the singer. Right. Right. Um, they offered it to Russell Crowe. I could definitely see that, but he turned it down. Uh, they were. He actually mentioned Jackman, but they went to um, Viggo Mortensen. Uh, he didn't really want to do it. And then, so they cast Doug Ray Scott. And as you might remember from a couple of years ago when we did those films, he got caught up in reshoots uh, for Mission Impossible 2. I can't remember if it overran or whether they actively had to come back to do reshoots. I cannot remember. Um, and he also had a, a motorbike accident around that time. So Jackman was cast after filming was underway. Uh, Jerry Ryan was uh, first person thought of for Mystique. Mm. Um, Michael Jackson wanted to play uh, Professor X. Why not? Um, <laughs> totally, absolutely. You can see that. Uh, the, the backstory on him losing his hair would have been like a Pepsi commercial, wouldn't it? Angela Bassett was the first choice to play Storm. Um, cool. But that was a, a sort of cost issue. Rogue was offered to Natalie Portman. Oh, so it was a, so it was a cost. So they didn't afford. They couldn't afford a salary. They could not afford in 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 and amongst what is quite a sizable cast. They they decided not to pay. No, she was too expensive. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, loads of sort of young actresses from the time considered for Rogue: Sarah Michelle Gellar, Katie Holmes, Alicia Silverstone, and others. Yeah, they've been sort of cast um, in, in similar sort of roles as well, especially you know coming off the back of Buffy and things like that. So. Jean Grey was very near, nearly Maria Bello. Or Lucy wow, Lewis. that would have been something. Uh, I could see Maria Bello in the role, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, Terence Stamp was considered for Magneto. Ooh. Uh, but then actually singer cast McKellen because he just worked with him in, in uh, At Pupil. McKellen was drawn to the sort of gay allegory of the film, mm. uh, which we'll go into as we go. It's one of those things in the themes of the film that you can take at face value or you can see or not yeah, you see. can read lots into it can't you you can see it, about it, other people who are you know it might just not just be on yeah. the you know lgbt or whatever they might just be elsewhere or even if you just feel different or if there's something different about you um or if you feel like you just don't fit in if you're a well, doll. <laughs> I, I, I think it's like it it goes beyond that because there's just there's really just does. something about like a natural truth to it there's always going to be some outcast in some form or another or, or even if you just take a look at it literally you're like yeah. the stuff that gets like how, how the issues that this film presents in a kind of a real way as if like oh there's mutants and that they have powers it's very believable like the the, the the stuff they end up talking about on on either you know side when it comes to like the senator like feel, feels feels like something points that you that someone in real life would make it's not just like some well, cartoonish kind regist- of... registration act and obviously there are yeah. sort of um nazi allegories there with with obviously the magneto character eric lencher mm. uh, i think the film that sticks out uh, uh, the thing that sticks out about this film is that when we say it kick-started the superhero phrase uh craze sorry I could understand someone turning around and saying, well, hang on a minute, there was a Batman film three years before and another one two years before that and, you know, four within the 11 years that preceded this. Um, But I think they were getting sillier. They were getting more toyetic, as we discussed, the word that he always used to describe it. And 
Uh, I nearly said Michael Schumacher. Charles <laughs> Schumacher. Yeah, Michael Schumacher was brought into film. If you kind of look at you know the Marvel universe as we have it now, you can kind of see obviously it's been going on with the comics and everything as well. But I think this certainly the X Men series did sort of kick it off in a more kind of like not serious and gritty and dark sort of vein. But as as we know it now, I think I think it's very of its time in that this is kind of almost in the same lineage as you know when you get to things like the dark knight or something they're not wearing they even make a joke about yellow spandex yellow spandex yeah we're just to wear yellow spandex it's very heavy leathers and jeans and you know denim Mm. that sort of thing um but i think this was the first sign you could do something a bit more you know you think what batman and robin had been like and then you've got this starting at auschwitz so I, yeah it's I kind think... of gone back the other way i mean you know we haven't even had like the new bond film but at this point for example it would be another six years or thereabouts so it's kind of like not not kind of like a dark and gritty reboot but taking it right right the way back and, and you know well, more serious this this came out before um uh die another day yeah exactly yeah although the quality... so we, we kind of you know you've got to kind of go big and then you need to kind of just you know, if Lee Tamahori had made this film, like his claws would have come oh, out, would have been spoons or something. Yeah, literally, it'd be all singing, all dancing. It um, would be yellow spandex. It would be the cartoon. This is of its time because it is pre the Marvel Cinematic Universe and any attempt mm. to be sort of comic book accurate. Now, I think what I would say, yeah, I think this is like the first original story, whereas the others are all kind of based on. But it's not. It's not just that. It's a, it's a few things. It's it's everyone's relationships to each other are, are sort mm. of different. Um you know nightcrawler and who he's related to or not related to and all the rest of it is all different uh they definitely are kind of not embarrassed they're a superhero film but they're trying to make them a little bit more real in feel despite the fact they've all got like outrageous abilities um so yeah just thinking about um sort of scandals around this film i think what we what i'd say at the outset is i'm not a reader of the x-men comics i mean with batman i'd read bits and pieces superman bits and pieces spider-man the same never really read any x-men although i'm aware of some of the backstories um what yeah in terms of scandals we won't really be mentioning them we'll get it out of our uh, system right now uh obviously brian singer has been accused of a, a lot of inappropriate behavior with young men uh, Brett Ratner has been, when we get to the third film, he's been accused of uh, very, very poor treatment of women. And, um, and Ray Park got his knob out on Instagram. There I do. I think he thought he was private messaging someone who, was, who was not his wife. <laughs> and uh, he put it there directly onto, onto Instagram. So he struggles to get employment now. No. Um, but he was obviously like, quite, quite hot, obviously having done like um, Men in Black star wars and this as well so it's kind of you know it was hot property as it were yeah i mean darth moore was a was an iconic visual if nothing else um i think going back to this film i, I would note uh, everyone says he uh, uh patrick stewart doesn't age he does he looks quite significantly older now than he did in this film well there is uh, one of the other films later on they sort of digitally de-age yes, don't they yeah. i think anna paquin looks like really young um, she does, but they all, she all, I'm pretty sure she doesn't age though. Like her and Holly yeah. Berry and everything. I just think Halle like Berry now, and Famke Johnson, they twenty years old, and you just think, bloody hell, they all look so young. But then, um, you know, Hugh Jackman was like mid thirties. At least, you know, he's, you know, they all have all have youthful looks. Uh, Hugh Jackman would have been probably early thirties. Wasn't he born in '68? Yes, he was. So he was, yeah, so he was about thirty somewhere. to thirty-one filming this. They did shoot in exteriors for the X Mansion in Toronto, and I've actually been there. I've been to the place where where cool. they actually filmed it. Yeah. Uh, but nice. the interiors are somewhere else. Um, 
I think the the other thing I would sort of just point to is this is not the iconic X-Men movie music that we think it is. That sort of seems to come with the second film when a different uh, a musician takes over. This is a Michael Kamen score, and it it was lacking so many of the themes that, or the main theme that I associate with this series. But we get that at the start of X two. Mm, it still sounds good though. I think you know it's, it's a good score. Yeah. We are kind of missing that a classic sort of theme, you know, as we know, it, especially yeah. from you know if you grew up with the cartoons, you know, in the eighties and nineties, like I did. Um, but you know, I still I, I was going to say. Um, even though without that sort of the classic theme that we won't hear until until later weeks, yeah. I still think it's really good though. That's something I still really enjoy. It's one of my favourite pieces about the film. The cinematographer was uh, his go-to guy. So he did at pupil. He did um, the usual suspects. He did Superman Returns, Jack and the Giant, Jack the Giant Slayer. Uh, oh my gosh, that's um, for a long, long time. Yeah, Jack so, and the Giant, Jack Slayer. That's the alternate version. Jack the Giant jerk off. Um, yeah, Crouching Tiger, Hidden no? Dragon, one of the sequels though, um, and he did shoot Bohemian Rhapsody for him as well. Hmm. Um, but as I say, it looks we, so good. it's probably fair did to he say. Did he edit it though? Uh, <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Um, so that that's sort of all the background to the film. This is a obviously a Fox property. Um, it's a Fox property because facing bankruptcy in the 1990s Marvel sold off the rights to most of their big hitters and this and the Fantastic Four turned up at Fox as if, I get, if I've got that correct so 20th Century Fox has been trying to put this in place for about five years and obviously we get it in the summer of um, we get it in the summer of 2000 the premiere was at Ellis Island um, it was made for a budget of 75 million which is not big that's not that big and it took a shade under 300 million at the worldwide box office and that's really all i want to say by way of background did we see this at the time when it was released yeah i saw it at cinema um and at the time i thought it, it was fine it was i think promising yes. was because it's actually quite short yeah it is um, it's, it's not yeah, is, is it, it through it's not even an hour and three quarters yeah yeah um, which I think these days is kind of refreshing. Um, I I think that the, the problem you you have with the X Men, and this is a this is a problem that the series will always have is it's it. I think the X Men suited as a series, like as as more of a TV because there's just so many characters that it's hard to kind of focus on on like just a few that like some get yeah. left behind and yeah. and, the, and the more dynamic interesting elements are kind of left behind in sort of in favor of the, the main plot and obviously you have a breakout star like Hugh Jackman who is just charismatic playing essentially like a fan favorite like the one the, like a character that everyone wants to be in an X-Men movie regardless um is going to take sort of center stage so Again, most of the plot revolves around him, uh, essentially. So it can, you know, so think of a character, say Cyclops, kind of gets left in the dust, and um, and and other potential sort of characters are kind of like either don't don't show up or kind of just given a bit. I mean, I feel sorry for James Marsden mainly because he always plays guys who's there basically for his partner to lust after someone else. 
Yeah, he's just like poor bloke. <laughs> you know? I kind of get the impression that he, he could be like a really good sort of leading man. Like, very often you see him like in support or like comedic roles or whatever, for example. Like, but I kind of feel like he, you know, he's got the potential to be like, you know, especially in the superhero movie as well, sort of as a sort of leading leading actor for sure. It, I just think it's a bit of a wasted opportunity for the series because I, 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 Dave, I'm, I'm no um, reader of the X Men comics, so. I'm sure fans of the series would sort of fill me on on, on what Cyclops like as a character, but it, the whole love, love triangle thing within the group, it, you know, the, the, there's, there's so much you could do with that, you know, like the, the both, like of the both being um, good guys, but both have different qualities. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit doesn't really and, go anywhere. And with Cyclops, you, you, you never really see; he's just kind of painted as a bit boring and a bit bland, yeah. and then. And then he gets kind of shit on in the third film as well. Yeah, not, not literally. That would be weird. Um, yeah. Uh, so well, well killed uh, off straight away. Yeah, so yeah, they are. But so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll get to a sort of all, uh, the plot and everything in a bit. It, my first experience of it, what made me laugh, is the first thing I heard of it was I knew it was coming out. Knew Patrick Stewart was in it. Loved him in sort of Star Trek: Next Generation and so on. So like, I was half interested, but for whatever reason. And I think it might have been somewhere near my time when I graduated, so maybe it was I was caught up with moving or something. But I um, I didn't go to see it at the cinema, but my father did, and my father made me laugh twice, no, three times in my life about films he went to see, because his observations were just hilarious. Because like, he had no suspension of disbelief at all. Oh. Like my yeah. mum's my mum's husband now is exactly the same. He's like, well, that's not real. Sharks don't oh. behave like that. That that's what he says about Jaws. Sharks don't behave oh. like that. And I'm like, <laughs> you got no imagination. You've, you've, you've missed the point. Um, but he went to Avatar and he went, "Oh, it's ridiculous." I said, "What?" He said, "They're all blue." And I went, <laughs> "Yeah." And that was it. That was his entire critique. Right? Hang, on, hang on, hang on. So like the whole plot centered around like trying to like attain this material called unattainium, yeah. and and the fact that. The thing he found ridiculous and unbelievable is the fact that They're alien blue. species were blue. Yeah, right. The other, two, the other two times he made me laugh was the first one. I, I, he must have looked a right fucking pervert because he went to see Miss Congeniality. Right? He was bored and he went out to see Miss Congeniality. And he said to me afterwards, he said I was sat on the aisle. He said I found a right fucking. I felt a right fucking pervert. He said. He's doing his own. He said it's like a beauty pageant, and I'm sat there, a middle-aged man. And I said, but Dad, it's called Miss Congeniality. What did you think it was going to be? What did you expect? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but the other one was X Men. He went, that's fucking ridiculous. I said, well, I said, well you stupid powers they've got. It's like, but it's the X Men. <laughs> what did you think it was? Did you think it was about like nuclear fission or something? <laughs> so anyway, that was the first I heard about it. I knew it did very well. I knew that they they started scripting the second one quite quickly, and they were all blown away by the skip script from that one. Very very soon after this film, there was an awful lot of buzz around what X two was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see it for a while. I saw it a bit later. They weren't a, they weren't a superhero team that were on my radar. You know, I, I tend to like the solos mm-hmm. than the teams anyway. You know, if I if I was reading Marvel, I'd be less likely to read the Avengers than I would be some of the sort of individual titles. So I wasn't really that bothered, and I went to see it and thought it was really quite decent. And I think over the years, as we'll see with this series, 
the right so what we're covering is we're going to cover the th the three x-men the, the original x-men trilogy we're going to do x-men origin wolverine we're going to do the x-men first class the wolverine the one set in japan then we'll do days of future past then we'll do apocalypse and then we'll do dark phoenix and for, finally new mutants now the reason i point all that out is that oh, ele that's 11 films we're not doing deadpool because i just refuse to see them as part of the series um but I've not seen New Mutants, so I've seen ten of them. And the one that I really struggled to place was Dark Phoenix, because I generally think that they, they fall into, like, thirds. Like, three of the films are, like, really, really good. Three of the films are, like, pretty decent. Three of them are shit. And, like, Dark Phoenix, when I saw it, was almost like a category all of its own, between the deeply shit and the, like, okay-ish. Um... And this this one sort of fell into the pretty good to me. This is this is kind of this is mid ranking. We're not uh, including Logan. We are. Oh yes, I meant to mention Logan. Logan will be in there as well. Um, as we start this series, my perception is X two first class and Logan are, are the elite three. I would say, generally speaking, just falling into the second category, but close would be Days of Future Past. I think I've got the Wolverine in there as well, and this one. And the shit ones are The Last Stand, Apocalypse, and... Apocalypse is terrible. X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Uh, Apocalypse is abysmal. And so Apocalypse. X-Men and, and Dark Phoenix, I went in with my expectations on the floor. And it was not as bad as I was expecting. So it, uh, because the three worst films in this series are so bad, I almost feel, feel like it doesn't quite go into that category. No, so I think, I've not seen it. I've not seen New Mutants either. I've not seen New Mutants, so I can't, I can't comment on that. But we will watch it. What I, what I think I'd say about this film, though, is over the years, like everything else, opinion on this series has become very polarised between they're great and they're terrible. And I just think, well, both is true. The biggest problem with the X-Men series for me was just its complete lack of consistency. Not just in plot and continuity, but also the fact that when you went to see an X-Men film, you never knew what you were getting. It could be really good, it could be really ordinary, or it could just be absolutely terrible. I mean, two years after Days of Future Past, which I thought was good, he made Apocalypse, which was borderline unwatchable. So you just never really knew what you were going to get. And I think that leaves the first film looking okay, because there's nothing wrong with it. But it, it does nothing like X2 does. X2 really doubles down on the sort of alienation side of things and, and you know, not knowing your own past and everything will get to it. I saw this eventually, and my that is my opening thoughts on it. I, I've always thought it's okay. I've always thought it's got a, a better cast than a series like this would normally get. I think it's got a, a, a then quality filmmaker in, involved in it. And I, I know his sort of life went a little bit off the off the rails after this, and it looks good quality. It looks more expensive than it is. A lot of the action is a sort of big tease for what's coming later. I mean, the opening scene of X2 is better than anything in this film, action-wise. <laughs> but it's we're here at the birth of a star. It's added gravitas by a couple of old Shakespearean actors. And it's just got a bit of, sp of a sort of sprinkle of sort of stars in it as well. And they've made a film that's, like, good. I, I can't really say much more than that. I think to be fair, because it's the first in the series that's kind of been running for... My own twenty plus year, twenty years now, about that's nineteen twenty years, yeah. um, and you know certainly seen like Hugh Jackman's star rise and rise and rise as is everybody else in the film definitely, um, but I kind of think that because it's the first one, it does tend to you know like the, like a lot of first films in in a 
amazingly popular franchise tend to get overlooked a little bit i think for me this is probably one of the strongest in the series um and you know it holds up i think but yeah this i remember they, they screened it on like film four i think after 20 plus years um and i was like oh my god this is going to look terrible they're all going to look out the depth the effect's going to be terrible but it all you know it all stands up all really holds up but certainly in my opinion anyway we're so not, yeah really enjoyed it we're not, doing a, we're not doing a ranking episode as such or at least we haven't talked about doing one but as we start this and this is all subject to change this would rank in the middle it's like it's like fifth of the ten that I've seen. Um, what about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of inclined to agree. Really, I mean, I think it, it it's kind of in that awkward position where it kind of set everything up, but it's kind of overshadowed by the the better ones or the more memorable ones, mm. and then kind of, but obviously it isn't as nowhere near as bad as uh, the the worst ones. But it it it's it's kind of like I think I think it's. It suffers maybe from it didn't have the budget to do what usually what usually these big superhero films normally does. So there's a bit of like uncertainty with it. So that it it's very much that's why it's got lean running time. So you haven't got the big set pieces so much, but they kind of lead in more of the character stuff. But even that's kind of limited with all the characters that you have. So it kind of plays safe in a kind of way, but it doesn't in the best possible way. So it's very lean. And um, it 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 doesn't sort of go all the way, but it kind of can't because it hasn't got enough to go on. It hasn't got enough. It didn't have enough budget for enough movie to kind of like focus on enough stuff. So no, I think it's I, kind I, of I ha- think I think you really see that at the end. The the big action set piece at the end of the film does actually feel almost laughably small now. Mm. Um, although I like again, I, I kind of like the um, symbolism of it. I mean. It's a UN thing at like Ellis Island. Well, Ellis Island is where immigrants came into the country, and this is all about mutant registrations and outsiders and how much of a citizen are you and all that sort of thing. So uh, there's interesting ideas in it, but when you go mm. back and watch it, and then I went straight on because I was showing it to my partner for the first time. She'd never seen any of the X Men film, really enjoyed it. But I said, like, I'm not going to sit and watch the whole film now, but I just want to show you the first like three or four minutes of the next one. And mm. we went and watched the sort of. Uh, Nightcrawler scene from the start of the, the second film, and it just blows this away. Absolutely blows this away. But I certainly think like its main strengths are it are the ideas it plays with. You know, as I think uh, McKellen is is great as as a uh, Magneto. Like it, you know, he's he's, he's just like in, and you know, Hugh Jackman again is like it's basically a star making role for him. Um, and I, I think the, some of the ideas, the way it's, as I said at the start of the show, um, it, it handles in in such a, a true to life way that it gets you kind of like it kind of asks the question, and you, you kind of think like, oh, well, what is what 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 should what would you do, you know, if 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 the situation was like those mutants like this, you know, like what what is the best course of action or you know well if there's huge if there's huge if there's huge swathes of the population that can't handle someone's accent or skin color being different <laughs> then manipulating well, metal might yeah. just terrify them yeah and 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 there's and there's that kind of um element of like well you know there will realistically there will be people like magneto and there will be pe- you know people with these like sort of almost really got power who would pose a threat to everyone um, so what do you do? <laughs> you know, it's it, it it comes like a really sort of difficult sort of thing. And while we all kind of understand like 
This would this, this would touch the American psyche as well because bear in mind this is the year two thousand. I, I I don't know the exact year, but we're we're probably something like thirty five years on from segregation ending, and there is a definite uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King vibe to these two. Mm. Um, one is the sort of integrate and you know be a full part of 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 these people's lives, and one of them is like completely separation, and. Um, that that is very much an allegory for that as well. I don't think I'm saying anything that anyone who hasn't seen the film would know. There, mm. it's it's fairly front and center. I yeah. don't think it's doing well, anything. Is, Magneto is pretty much no. We're 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 the future, so yeah. we're here to rule. And and you could kind of see his point because like if this is evolution, then we kind of we're further on. You kind of understand. You kind of think yeah. like, well, I can get your your logic there. Um, but Even he, he's he... taught from the very opening of the film to not to try to ingratiate with people who are just he would just view as evil. Um, shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yes. So we, you know, start like you know all good films start with um, I'll switch. <laughs> yeah, I mean Anchorman, uh, <laughs> Annie Hall, they all started at Auschwitz. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this will, I, I, I need to watch a side by side when we get to first class because first class they recreate this scene mm. and I don't know how similar it looks obviously it goes on a bit further than this scene because he has to go and meet Kevin Bacon and six degrees of people separated from Kevin Bacon presumably you, you, as well you'd be surprised yeah I'd be, I'd be interested to sort of think because you think by watching it it's it, you're watching the same scene just like maybe remastered a bit but I mean it will definitely be uh, a different child, obviously, because of the way people yeah. age, and I don't know if they look alike or not. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted. I've got the sound off on my computer, and I'm actually tempted to just look it up. Um, comparison. Okay, let's have a look. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it running side by side now. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll report back on that later. Um, but this is this is a pretty heavy way to start a film. You know, he's, he's, he's being, his parents are being dragged away. He's in absolute crisis. And, uh, yeah, the colour grading's totally different. It's a different child. But all, uh, uh, some of the shots, I think, have been reused. It's just the child's face. Anything with the child is different. Everything else is the same. So okay. it, 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 that's why you think it's the same scene. It's literally a different boy and everything else is the same. Except... I'm not sure the same guy's playing the father. No, it's a different... His parents are being played by somebody different. He's being played by somebody different. But all of the establishing shots and all that are the same. Yeah, there you go. So it's a very similar scene. The colour grading is slightly sort of browner in the original, in the new in the newer one, in the, you know, mm. slightly muddier, whereas the, the first version was a lot colder and more steel. It's uh, almost black and white. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm actually just going to share it in the chat here and you can see for yourselves. Um, but, you know, if you want to leave the sound off and just have a look. It's uh, it's interesting, but of course, this is, what a way to start a film this is. You know? Yeah. Um, surely everyone knows about Auschwitz, but obviously we, we know what happened there with them all being branded and many of them killed. Um, and then I think we go to... Where do we go from there? Rogue. And go to Rogue. Straight to you know, Rogue. Yeah, you know, like sort of smooching with a boyfriend. Yeah, Rogue's, and him. Rogue's about to get a bit of tongue. I don't know how old Rogue's meant to be. Because if you about think, to get a first base. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, we don't know. Probably if we, 16. Probably a little bit. We, we can't know, confirm my parents. We can't confirm whether it is or Doctor Toxic. He didn't get that far. Um, uh, the only thing is, I'm not sure how old Rogue is meant to be. I mean, Anna Paquin, the actress, was probably about 17. Uh, but of course, she's literally never been kissed. So this is the first time in her bedroom, and he just he's immediately poisoned. She's poison ivy, really. Yeah, so I think she, what it is, she kind of like sucks their life force. Yeah. Or something like that, which... Um... <laughs> what a euphemism that is. <laughs> I was going to say, careful how you say that. Suck my life force, bitch. Mm. I don't know what so it like, is. He's, it, it... So he's like literally there dying, and she's like in the corner just screaming. Just. It looks like I'm in shock. Mixed with... I, I meant poison ivy because when poison ivy, you just get those sort of branching poisoned veins going up the face and stuff. Mm. So yeah, so she's now got. Um, where do we go from there? Um, so she kind of runs away, doesn't she? Yeah, we, we, we yeah we don't we sort of just sort of see or call them, but she's like, like screaming, and then you we cut to don't we cut to um, Jean Grey uh, in a. I don't know what what would you call it. It's like um, is it is it is it a court hearing of some sort? Because you've got the that senator. Is it, it, senator it, it, or it's, it, it's probably a senate hearing then, and uh, it's Senator Kelly, Robert Kelly. Mm-hmm. He's wanting to pass a mutant registration act, so they have to re reveal their identities and abilities. Um, so we find out fairly quickly. That I think he's his intentions aren't poor, but they lack empathy. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, he he, he makes the point like, look, there's like you know these powers are equivalents of someone who's like almost like having a gun almost, and it's like um, you know if someone can like you know run through walls or well, how, you know how can they sort of stop them from like stealing a bank or or even anyone's data, how is anyone safe without, you know, that kind of thing. It's like trying to make sure everyone else's freedoms are protected, I guess. And we will will come back to this again and again through the series, particularly in the better entries. mm. Um, I'm not quite sure when we first meet. I think, do we go to this sort of, she's out and about and she ends up in that bar? Is that yet? So obviously through that we have the, the we first get introduced to Magneto and the Professor X, um, yeah. Xavier because they have their uh, they they have their little interaction, um, and then yes we kind of uh, meet she goes to the, this kind of bar, or it kind of has this sort of cage fight. Yes, uh, and where Hugh Jackman is just beating everyone yeah, easily. Uh, the thing with Hugh Jackman in this film is he's, if he's fit, he's in good shape. But yeah. but when you go forward to something like The Wolverine, the 2013 films, it's night and day. In that film, he's just shredded. And he'd get lightheaded as well because he wouldn't drink water for two or three days before he filmed. Mm. Well, I think it's a day and a half or two days or something. It's, um, it's just ridiculous. Things so you look at him, you look at his physique there, and it's absolutely fine. This looks abs. This looks like a guy who's in fit physical shape. Looks like he could kick anyone's ass. Yeah, it only stands like, out compared to like later. Yeah. But yeah, this is basically a cage fight, and there's 
a sort of fear around him. He, he's fe- he, he's sort of feral. Mm. Um. So then what? We watch. We see this fight, and he's got claws. And yeah, he, get, he gets like, accused of like cheating. He's like, oh, I know who you are. Yeah. And then he, you know, claws come out of his hand, and he gets told to get out. So he, he, he you know. Yeah. He, he, he goes out. Anna Paquin follows him. Yeah. Um, and she's wearing gloves now. She's like scared yeah. to touch anybody. Um, I, I forgot that her hair only discoloured at the end. Oh, I, I, I forgot that. I, I was like, where's the white streak? Oh yeah, that's the whole point at the end of the film. Yeah, so they're now attacked by Sabretooth. Now again, there's a continuity issue with this film, uh, these films in that the relationships change seem to change from film to film as does the casting Sabretooth in a later film is his brother played by Lee Schreiber but in this film it's like Tyler Maine the wrestler I think he's a wrestler isn't he yeah like stand I, it I looks like it in the role though I mean to be fair I think if you've got somebody like Hugh Jackman you kind of, you've got to have somebody of that standing to be able to go up against him so yeah I mean well stature definitely I mean he's, he's yeah. a big yeah that, guy yeah that's what I meant sorry yeah, I mean, like, but he thinks of like, it's, it's, it's Sabretooth, isn't it? He's, yeah. he's he, he's just a big hulking. He's kind of like beast, uh, character anyway. Beast almost. <laughs> he, he, he's not one for giving like huge amounts of dialogue, so you don't really need like an actor to, like, yeah. uh, you know, like a, a proper thesbian in that role. You no, want you don't. Someone who's just, no, you don't. Just someone who looks quite intimidating and moves well. But again, that's why they cast yeah. him because and, he's kind of got that physicality and he's got that. Um, and growls and growls out his dialogue. That's all you need. One of the first, one of the only good things in that film, Liv Schreiber. Yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant. So, yeah, they're attacked by Sabretooth, but basically Cyclops and Storm arrive. We'll get to who they are in a minute, but that's just James Marsden and uh, Halle Berry, whose accent in this film is all over the place. Sometimes she sounds South African, sometimes she doesn't. Because sometimes I was listening out for the accent and it wasn't there, and other times she'd say something and I'd go, that's an accent, and it would just change from film to film. But they're taken back injured to uh, Xavier's mansion, which is in uh, New York State. And we just learn who they are, really. It's a school for gift- gifted youngsters, but for gifted youngsters, read mutants. We see we see them, you know, a, a teleporter playing basketball and sort of passing it to himself and things like that. And um, they're just taught to uh, harness and use their powers correctly. And they're known... Uh, playfully by the children as the X-Men and that's it really isn't it for this point Rogue joins the school and meets um, Bobby Iceman Bobby Drake yeah so this film really ramps on quite quickly because I think we go straight to the abduction of Senator Kelly now yes so um, which is yeah an introduction to Mystique as well yeah, Rebecca Romain, Rebecca Romain Stamos at this point. Um, mm. She's going to be played in the, as a younger person by Jennifer Lawrence in some of the later films. Uh, the colour the color scheme is very slightly different in that it's blue when it's Jennifer Lawrence, but this is a deeper blue. Um, and perfect casting, really. Um, th- he's on a helicopter talking to one of his aides, and it turns out it's a shapeshifter, and it's Mystique, who basically... She's in the she's blue and naked, but with prosthetics. Basically, that's mm. what she looks like. If you haven't seen the film, uh, apparently there's always a bit of a fight at the end of the day to help her take her prosthetics off. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I'll do it. 
<laughs> so he, he's, <laughs> he's abducted and taken to Magneto, who's got a machine that basically throws out a load of radiation on him to induce yeah. mutation. Um, and then we uh, we find that welcome to revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we find here he escapes out of the prison because he's basically mm. turned into what a jellyfish or something. Yeah, he kind of has like a water kind of quality to it. Element. Yeah. But unfortunately, we'll find out later these are unstable powers. You will die. Um, uh, Rogue, is this where we've got... Oh, um, she hears Logan having a nightmare, Rogue does, doesn't she? And he, yeah. he, he wakes up and stabs her. And she just absorbs his powers to heal herself. Which is... Um, and she ends up basically running away from the school because Mystique disguises herself as Bobby and says that they're all going to be afraid of you. You've got to leave. Yeah, there's a bit of a... Uh, um, well, it's quite quite cleverly done um, at, at that point. I mean, I'm not sure how how far we, we, we're rushing through this already. Know, yeah. um, so before then, uh, we have... Um, yeah, he, yeah, Kelly, like, escapes, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then, where do we go from there, then? So, um, well, now there's a bit of a race to get to her, because I think we're, we're led to believe that Magneto has an interest in Wolverine, but it's not actually Wolverine he's interested in, it's Rogue. Yeah. Because they, they're trying. That's the point. Yeah, that's they're trying. Basically, that a lot of the focus is tight. Well, because Wolverine doesn't remember. Yeah. We established like well, he heals quite quickly, um, which is one. Which is one of the things that in the comics he has like um, kind of like metal sort of notches where his um, where his claws uh, uh, come out. Yeah. Um, where, where here it just it just flat just comes out of his hands and then just heals over again. Yeah. Which. Which we'll get to later on in the the Wolverine, but I think they missed a trick with the, like not acknowledging that one. Well, uh, he is asked in the second one if it hurts, and he says every time. Yeah, it's this one. He says. Oh, it is in this hurt, one, but, is it? Yeah, um, I just thought like you know in in the, in the Wolverine where he where his powers weaken. Yeah. It they, they kind of missed a trick where it's like, it, you know, his hands are constantly like open wounds. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, uh, that was Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I, I, the, the bit I miss in this film is how does Magneto understand that Rogue has this ability? Where does he learn that? Do you um, know? Because I'm not sure. I didn't pick it up this time at all. He would. It just would have been like, oh, well, you know, it would have. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure it would have been just as word gets around. You know what I mean? As anywhere else, like, oh. Um, you know this. You know some some kid like put this kid in the coma for like three months. You know, and it would have just been like, oh, but yeah. But does he not use um, Xavier's um, uh, machine? Well, Mystique does eventually. Yeah. She, well, she sabotages the machine. That's to take Charles out of yeah. play. Because Charles can um, basically in, inter- interfere with people's thought processes and make them do different things. Yeah. And uh, that's why Magneto wears a helmet to stop that. 
Um, so we're introduced to Cerebro. To, I don't know, I think it's it. just kind of assumed, isn't yeah. it? You just go like, oh, well. He uses uh, Cerebro to locate Rogue, uh, a train station. So he sends mm-hmm. off like some of his people to get her. So Storm goes, and amongst others, and Scott. And after that, Mystique pretends to be Charles to get into Cerebro and sab- sabotage the machine. Yeah. Logan goes on a bike to get to the train station to try to get Rogue to stay with Professor X. Um, Storm and Cyclops arrive, um, but then Magneto, Toad, and Sabretooth arrive, and there's a fight. Then, and Ro- Toad's skills are horrible. There's just something about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just grim. But yeah, they they um, they uh, sort of ab- abduct her then, don't they? Yeah, so you know you have to fight the train station. Um, we have the the sort of well, it's it's kind of teased that you know that you know Wolverine isn't really what Mike um, Monito is after, but you just kind of assume because the main focus is on Wolverine that it must be. And um, I think he naturally. Yeah, it's direction, I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember like as a viewer at the time, <coughs> you know, I tend not to sort of think about things I just kind of let the film wash over me first time around um, so it was like oh okay yeah um, yeah because it's because it's Magneto the, the plotting is in. I mean it, it's quite a basic film but the plotting is really actually dealt with quite good because we, we're whipping through it because there's not a lot to it but what's what is there is told quite efficiently we see Magneto use this machine and we know it's dangerous yeah. because we're about to see the senator just basically disintegrates mm-hmm. he just turns into water having got to the X-Mansion, desperately pleading for help after he'd been mm-hmm. their enemy. So he kind of, like, repents too late, really. Uh, Jean Grey is a doctor, so she but she can't do anything for him. But what we haven't got is what he would want with Rogue, even though we understand Rogue's abilities. So actually, it does yeah. kind of drip-feed the plot to us. He needs Rogue because Rogue can, te- can basically um, take on everyone's power and amplify it. And it nearly killed Magneto when he used it. So she, yeah, yeah, she will have some of the regenerative abilities of um, of Hugh still in her. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So, but yeah, basically, he's using her as a sacrifice because he like. Um, I mean, we, this is like towards the end of the film now, but yeah. it's like what um, Wolverine says, like basically tells him he's full of shit because it's like, well, you're willing to sacrifice a, this girl for your cause. But like, why aren't why aren't you doing it then? If you feel it's just, yeah. Why are you going? Well, I guess it's me, and I'll sacrifice myself for the for the greater good. Yeah. It's like you just you just full He's of shit. He's basically trying to turn everybody into mutants without understanding. Yeah. Or, or, well, at this point, the world leaders kind of like make a point, saying like, um, well, you are like us now, so tough shit. <laughs> yes, but it will it will stretch out above and beyond. It will sort of go out all yeah. over New York anyway. Um, the p- point is that everyone will then be mutants, but what he hasn't seen is Senator Kelly die. Mm. Um, and even if told that, he would be, well, better that than what they're trying to do to us. So Yeah, it's... I think I, I, I don't think he cares, does no. he? I think it's just... Um, but the intent, just like... the intent isn't originally to kill him, but it uh, killed them, them all. But when he finds out the effect, it doesn't make any difference. It's like, well, I still make my point. Yeah. But he goes ahead... It goes ahead with it. So, yeah. Magneto transfers... But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're rushing away. What? I don't, I don't, is there anything we've, we've missed? Because we all just jumped right to the very end here. Um, 
that's the thing because it's only like what an hour and a half just over an hour and a half hour and 44 minutes it just it whips through i was, I was that's one thing that really refreshed me about this film because I, yeah. I think in today's cinematic landscape you know we've got no time to die potentially three hours long um and obviously as we're coming up to you know we'll be looking at lord of the rings later on who famously very long running time um, both bloody versions and the books oh. so i'm gonna be rather busy <laughs> during that series dear yeah. dear um, I can't we even might, it, might have not, to do with like part one and part two. I think kind we of will. Thing. I think we will. There's the fact that where films today are getting so long, it's really refreshing to have a film that's like an hour and a half. So we're doing the Bakshi film as well. The 1978 uh, Lord of the Rings. We're doing that one as well. Yeah, the animated one. Yeah. But I said that's not. It's not that long. But I just kind of think where like films today. Obviously, not complaining. That's just how how the industry is and what you know the shape of the shape of the art. I guess. Um, but yeah, Lord of the, the films would have been shorter if they'd taken a taxi. <laughs> If they just said no, we're actually not going to go to Cesar. Well, thank you very much. We're not going to go to Mount Doom. No, we decline. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Considering it's like what an hour and three quarters, it does yeah. zip along. It does um, zip along, but in the interest of padding, read any good books lately? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I watched Disney Pixar's Vicar last night. It was really good. I enjoyed that. If you've got little ones, or even if you haven't got little ones and looking for, you know, what do you mean if I've got um, little ones? What are you implying? <laughs> if you've got children. Oh. <laughs> Or if you you know if you want something to sort of relax a little bit too, then I can highly recommend. That is the least hyped Pixar film I've ever seen in my life. Because even Soul got a bit more advertising and and hype than this one did. It came out in secret, didn't it? It I I knew knew there was one coming, and I knew it was going straight to uh, Disney Plus. But I only actually found out the release date like last week. Yeah, it sort of all of a sudden just dropped on you know with no almost no fanfare. I need to watch rewatch Soul as well because I, I didn't pay enough attention to it when I did. Soul's very good. Um, yeah, I need to, that's got to be on the list for when we do Pixar, which we will be. Doing. Yeah, we're doing all we're doing all the films. We are doing all the Pixar films. Don't know when. Oh, but we are doing. I look forward to that. Yeah, no, I am too. I, I think um, every time a Pixar film comes out, you get a load of chat about why isn't Pixar as good as it used to be, and it's like that's kind of a bit of a false narrative, really. It really is because there's not actually much wrong with Pixar. They're not quite as consistent as they used to be. Well, same with Disney. I mean, you know, That's it's all. still got the formula, and it depends on the story, doesn't it, as well? And and style of animation you use in one thing or another. And you could argue that, well, especially with, like the Ghibli, for example, um, their latest film opened to not as much acclaim as, as as they used to. It was certainly over here in the West, anyway. Certainly here in the UK. I just think it's um, people's inherent nostalgia. It's, they it's the same. It's it, the same. Coco's within the last three or four years, and it's as good as anything they've done. Oh my god! I, I actually Tissue thought the second. Ready, I, I thought the second Incredibles film was as good as the first one, at least. Definitely. Like um, reviews for Luca as well saying, oh, "Why is it so lightweight? You know, it's not as kind of heavy hitting as the previous films." It's like, well, it's a simply told family adventure. You know, beautiful animation. It's a simple heartwarming tale of you know friendship and acceptance and and belonging and it's like well you know if it seems lightweight to you then perhaps you'll i don't even know what it's about perhaps you need to go watch it again <laughs> what's the what's the uh what's the basic setup what's it about as basically it's about these these two young kids are basically sea monsters um and they try to sort of make it in this kind of small like italian um seaside town um entering in a, in a race basically but they um they can't get wet because every time they get wet it's revealed that they're sea monsters um and yeah just without giving away too many spoilers so why well, well, is something really fishy about them there's something quite fishy about it definitely but if, if you're looking for something quite heavyweight and and cerebral as as like soul for example you perhaps won't find that this is more like traditional than you know it's a kind of like heartwarming family story um 
I often, yeah, because that's exactly how it works. I always sit there with a copy of The Sorrow and the Pity in one hand and <laughs> Monsters University in the other, saying which one will feed the my the soul. Smooth, the rough and the smooth. <laughs> there's, there's definitely the light affair, but, it, you know, that doesn't mean that that's to its detriment at all. It's, you know, it's just a very charming, simply told, heartwarming tale. Beautiful animation. Um, people, like, especially... It, it does kind of annoy me a little bit they're saying oh it's not, not as good as it used to be animation obviously gets better and better as time goes on and technology improves um, beautiful it'd be a feast for the eyes if nothing else I think since I think since eyes. I think roughly since about Inside Out their good standard stuff is as good as it's ever been it's just oh, a sure. little bit more okay. variable because they throw in a few more sequels now I didn't like Toy Story 4 actually at all I thought it was I quite, mean quite Cars nice. has probably got like a it's, it's, it's probably like to blame partially for Cars. Like, the, Cars was their the, first sort of not particularly critically acclaimed film. Yeah, I quite liked like it. One, though. I think that and the Disney um, film was it Good Dinosaur, which is another one I've not seen. Good Dinosaur. Um, but yeah, the Cars. I, I, I've, I I've, seen the, I've, seen I've seen the one. I tried Return, watching okay Cars too, <laughs> and it's just like no. <laughs> I, I, I start watching Cars too, and it's just like. I, I, I don't care for this. I know. No, I, I can never get all the way through it. I think because it's quite it's quite long. Um, when we get to it, I think I'm going to defend Carl's Cars 2 and Slaughter Carl's Cars 3. That's my gut feeling from memory. Mm. I think the one with the, the spies, and I think I've Finn seen that about missile. halfway through, and I was like, I haven't seen the others. So. Uh, and the first one is basically Doc Hollywood. Yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah. But I'll, I'll try. To, I'll try to do it. Cause apart from that, that's the one I've not seen just because I do struggle. Um, mm. And yeah, go and check out. Whilst we're on the topic, if listeners you still haven't seen them, go and check out all their. <clears throat> all their short films. Um, I think if you could probably do a free trial on Disney Plus for a week or however long it lasts, go and check them out. Well worth it. You can see the evolution of their of their animation as well. That did bother me when I went to see. I'm trying to think if it was Coco or which one it was. I went to see one of them, and it and the short before it was a Maggie Simpson short, and I thought I know they're Disney now, mm. and they've been Disney a long time actually Pixar, but I know obviously that's brought in the Simpsons and stuff like that because of Fox. But I did find it disappointing because the short films are a breeding ground for new talent. Yeah, you can expect it to be something else. And, if, it, and like... if it's crap, it's three or four minutes. What does it matter? Like, just try, try different things. So when they put like something from a Simpsons. thirty odd year <laughs> property on there, I'm like, you've just you've just missed an opportunity to give someone a bit of professional development there. Oh, but then they've got Spark shorts and other sort of breeding grounds as well, haven't they? But no, I see what uh, you I mean, mean. I mean, let's face it, Simpsons isn't really funny now anyway but, the, but then Maggie is amazing it, I think she's the best it, character so. it, 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 it's a show that's kind of like hanging on by by its pedigree of what the show was and just like it's like, I think, oh, we can't, I think, we can't I, cancel The Simpsons surely no, like, I, I think they undermined the principles <laughs> that Pixar have always worked to for a bit yeah. of corporate synergy and that thing that's the sort of thing is to be expected you know you, you will get like Monsters Inc. 3 and Toy Story 7 I, I get all oh. that but what they've decided to do now is two films one year, one the next, and it will be like one and a half new ones, if you like. They, you know, yeah. w- w- you know, uh, there'll be a new <laughs> one each year and like a sequel, and then like a new one the following year and stuff like that. And I, I don't really have any great problems with them. But um, I will watch Luca at some point. I'll have to ke- catch up with that and Soul because I had Soul on and I just wasn't paying enough attention to it, so it just also kind of recommend Ray and the Last Dragon. What? I can also recommend Raya and the Last Dragon. Okay, I don't know. So I was that. expecting it to be a musical. I don't know why, and I was like, "There's no songs," but it's a beautiful film nonetheless. Okay. 
I actually I'll watch Soul and Luca in like a few weeks. I'll watch them back to back. I'm assuming they're a couple of hours each because Pixar films tend to be fairly long. Yeah, I think Luca's like hour and a half or something is quite short. All um, right, so I'll put three and a half down for it. Oh, sorry, it's three and a half for the lot. I'll be all right. I'll do that. So anyway, nice padding, folks. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what else is good? What else is new? So yeah, we have the the fight at the uh, the, the train station with uh, Wolverine. Uh, sorry, with uh, Magneto, uh, basically sort of holding all the bullets, all the guns at, at the police. I thought that was a magnificent visual because you had close up to Charles's cool. yeah. eyes as he's yeah, trying to stop really, it. Well, really actually, well he's done. holding all the bullets, but Charles has sort of frozen the scene. Yeah. Yeah. That was really incredible, and especially in terms of like um, the way it shot and the effects at the time as well. Because I thought, oh, this is just watching this twenty years on. I thought this is just going to look really rubbish, but actually it doesn't. The, well, the effects aren't bad, and they're largely not bad because their reach doesn't exceed their grasp. They don't. They don't keep. They're not trying to do stuff they can't really do. I mean, talking of Blade earlier, the, it, it's the... small. It's like little things like Wolverine's claws. Is sometimes think. Yeah, he kind of looks a bit outdated CGI, but because it's not like huge effect. Yeah, and it, of course, a lot it, of the time he not... is wearing a physical piece anyway. Yeah. Um, the, most of the effects aren't too bad. I saw a dodgy claw one, and I did see another dodgy one, and I've forgotten what it is now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, two years. It's actually blinking. You miss it. Two years earlier, I watched Blade, and the blood effects in that were embarrassing. And I do think a lot of CG, particularly in the '90s, tried to like go beyond what it was capable of doing for the money and time they had and uh, this isn't a massive budget film and I think what they've actually done is scaled their scaled what they're trying to do accordingly um, and it doesn't look yeah. too bad even the healing effects on him they, they look they look okay they look fine but what we've got is some kind of UN summit on Ellis Island yeah. he has put his machine on Liberty Island which is you know uh, well, I was about to say a stone. I was about to say a stone throw away, but you'd have to have quite. You'd have to have. You'd have to have quite a throw to be fair. But yeah, it is. Can you, it can is... you go up there now? Are they opened it up? Because I remember for a time you can only go like halfway you to the pedestal. Can. Can you? I mean, it's still quite a boat rider. It takes about uh, like a good, good hour. That's what, yeah, it's a bit of a trip, uh, isn't it? That's what I was we, saying. It, I, I'm we saying went around stone like, throw, um, it's not. It's, it's distance. Because we went on um, a stag do on on like a boat ride around Statue of Liberty. Cool. And um, and yeah, it's, it's still it was good like you know, like ninety minutes, like two hours. That must have been quite a wild night. He was only he was only intended <laughs> to go to Nando's <laughs> in <time>. Manchester. That's <laughs> <laughs> a pre-COVID time, obviously. Yeah, yeah, just before. It's uh, like Red Dwarf, you know. He, go, he goes to get pissed and wakes up in deep space. <laughs> wakes, up, wakes up in stasis, oh my yeah. god. Um, <laughs> yeah, you sort of, you, 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 you end up a few vodkas and you wake up and you're on a boat, like, hang on, what the fuck did I get? <laughs> I liked that in space, the <laughs> Simon Pegg show, where, like, Mike calls him and he said, I'm in Sheffield. He said, I must have fallen asleep on the tube. He said, the tube doesn't go to Sheffield. He said, yes, I must have changed at Euston or something. Euston's <laughs> changed at Sheffield, please. Mm. There it is. Or whichever one it is. It's an all-self connection that we all need. Yeah. So the whole point here is to certainly uh, this machine will spread out and basically uh, mutate all of Moosh the sort of world leaders that are there, how far they intend it to go into like wider New York, I don't know. Um, mm. And you've basically got um, Toad. Toad gets killed by Storm with that really bad kiss off line. She's that's got. a really uh, that line. Oh my god! Do you know what happens? 
with Toad when it's struck by lightning. That is just like for me the worst line in the film. I'm sorry. The the delivery doesn't help because Halle Halle Berry is. I mean, to be fair, she's been better since. Like, she's. I mean, she deserved she deserved her Oscar, but but. Do you know what she happened? Did she deserve that Razzie? The same thing that happens to everything else. She got Razzie in the scene. Yeah. She sounded like she was reading it. I, 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 I think she does give a good performance, but I would agree with you, Dave, and her accent is kind of all over the place, but he doesn't quite know if it's South African or not. But yeah, she kind of gives like a, a, a still, you know, quite, um, it, it makes an impact. And, you know, for me, like she is, she is Storm pretty much. So. Yeah, I mean, she kills him with that kiss offline, which basically means nothing specific. <laughs> what happens when it when the... it's just meant to be a cool trendy line but you just think oh. it doesn't really work but she kills him anyway or it well it's, it's implied he's dead anyway um well, doesn't, she's a bond girl so it's all right doesn't really matter she's but... not a bond girl at this point <laughs> she's she's a, she, she will be soon following year or so she'd be filming it <laughs> in fact she went she was back on set filming die another day the day after she picked up her oscar for monsters ball yeah she was there's um, a scene of her going yeah um, and then she won the Razzie for Catwoman. That was a couple of years later. Yeah. I think it was Sandra Bullock who won the same, the two in the same year. Oh god, Catwoman, that's a film. Bloody hell. That was the Blind Side. Did, yeah, and what did, about Steve? Didn't Halle Berry actually sort of? She, she and Sandra Bullock actually showed up to collect the Razzie. Yeah, they did as well. They did. And they were both really good. Uh, if I had to choose one, if you only had time to watch one of them, watch Halle Berry's because it's funnier. But uh, <laughs> they're both pretty good. Well, they're both quite good, good humoured and good natured about it, aren't they? I think. Maybe you have to be. If you, if you have it, to it, be. Did Sandra Bullock have like a load of like? Um, she brought copies like, for yeah, everyone. DVDs to give out to everyone. And she didn't <laughs> argue, and she didn't get shitty, but she did say, "Watch it and tell me if it's really the worst film of the year." You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. like Halle Berry was, "Thank you for putting me in this piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> um, she was. She got she, paid. She was just like off the director, like saying like you know like how like. He couldn't speak English because he was like just got this like random French guy in. It was Peter. Lost in translation. Yeah. Peter. Yeah. I um. So I I don't think she's great, but obviously that's a, that's accounting for them all. So you've basically got Magneto and uh, Mystique. They sort of fight on the way in, don't they? She's sort of hiding, pretending to be Wolverine. So Wolverine, yeah. not for the last time in the series, has a fight with himself. And. She, when they end yeah, up, there always seems to be things that happens in the next one, doesn't it? Wolverine frights. It's Lady Deathstrike. Someone, Death so, so, someone with similar sort of yeah. powers, yeah. Um, and we do see obviously Logan fights X twenty four or twenty three or whichever it is later, which is a younger him. Um, I, I thought this was okay. Uh, they've they've sort of paced this scene out quite nicely because you've got Mystique can be anybody. Um, so she, they don't know where she's going to attack from, and I like where when he, finally he comes out having won, and Cyclops says to him, "Prove you're you," and she he says, "You're a dick." <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> I think that's the best line in the film. Mm. But and when they find later on, they find the body of a guard <laughs> with, with stab marks exactly where Mystique had them, so she survived. And we see at the end that basically she will go on to be. Senator Kelly. The only way we can tell is when someone bumped into her as Senator Kelly. Her eyes flashed She's yellow like, for a second. Yeah. Um. So say which, then, which, looks, which, which looks like glaringly obvious. It does, but it's it's for a split second when she's like. It's uh, like the Michael Jackson thriller, you know. He's like, you got to where well, he turns the camera. That shit me up when I first saw it. But then I was about six when I first saw it. <laughs> John, John Landis. Yeah, they made that. Um. 
so yeah, it's they've got to fight Sabretooth and basically Magneto at the same time while they're at the top of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Uh, Cyclops is just wanting to shoot it with his eye laser, but they're worried he will kill her. Yeah. Uh, but what we ha- what we have is uh, Wolverine put up there to kind of distract Magneto so he can shoot it. And that's it, really. Her her hair goes gets like a white streak in it. Uh, the beam didn't reach the de- reach the delegates. Okay. Uh, the delegates, not the not delegates, not your pants. Mm-hmm. Um, Xavier's out of his coma. Mystique is still alive, as we've said, and he gives uh, Professor X gives Wolverine a tip that um, there's an abandoned military base which may give you some answers because he doesn't know what his past is. There's something about that place that might have something to do with Wolverine's unknown past. And that's where we're going to go. And he promises he'll come back because he gives his dog tag to, to Rogue. Um, as a bit of flirting with Jean Grey. And that's about it really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and then you have Magneto and Xavier in his new prison. Yeah, all plastic. Um, and they're playing chess. It had to be like a, I don't know. It has always has to be a cerebral game, doesn't it? They they never get together for a game of like snap. Well, chess is like the ultimate guess who? battle of guess who? Yeah, it? guess who? It, uh, they should play Ooh, that. Or something like that. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos. <laughs> Buckaroo. Yeah. Or Cluedo. Or or they get together to do a crossword, but it's like the sun. Sudoku. <laughs> Yeah. Or they get together to read the Sunday Sport uh, problems page. I mean, I mean, really, we're talking about two elderly men. Really, it should be Dominoes. Really, shouldn't it? It should be Dominoes, or they should just be getting over pissed. a pint of bitter. Yeah. The way he escapes in the second <laughs> film is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I think that's that's where I'm sort of just going to go with my final thoughts. That this is a proof of concept, really, and it's a very good one because. It tells you everything you need to know pretty well. It brings out the themes of alienation. doesn't do it particularly subtly, but it's there. Um, you learn everything you need to know at this stage about Wolverine. It, it, it's funny because Hugh Jackman's always been likened in look to Clint Eastwood. And there is something the man with no name about Logan, you know. Uh, man of relatively few words, not a great attitude. And, you know, doesn't really, we don't really know that much about him mm. at this stage anyway. That kind of gets a little bit ruined going forward, um, particularly the X-Men Origins film, which I think had a wonderful title sequence, but that's all. And, you know, they've introduced a, a sort of fairly good group here that you think they could tell good stories. I, see, I worry now. It's gone back to Marvel. And I think great, because Marvel tend to make the best use of their characters. But we've talked about this before. How, how many different series are they going to have on their slate? Are you going to have one X-Men film every five years? And if so, is it just going to be like the Wolverine show every time? Or whatever. I mean, comic book accurate Wolverine, I do know, is a much smaller, scrappier guy. About like five foot tall or something. Uh, whereas like Hugh Jackman's, what, six foot three or something? So I know I know this was never a particularly comic book accurate Wolverine. But obviously it became an iconic one nonetheless. And I just think everything they needed to set up has been set up here. Um, there's less Patrick Stewart in it than I remember. So that's going to be interesting going forward as, as we sort of fill this world out a bit more. We've got more characters to meet, more stories to tell, but they've done they've done a, a film that feels grounded. It feels 
serious and weighty. Just just the opening at Auschwitz uh, gives this a sort of weight that it wouldn't other have otherwise have. And I don't think it's used puriently. I think it plays entirely into the themes of the film. Yeah. I th- I think um, the action's okay, but that's all it is. The story's pretty good. Um, but there's more to come, and you can feel at the end of this there's more to come. But I think the last thing I will add is this feels... I was very surprised, although we'll talk about it when we get to X3. I was I was surprised on the face of it that he left to do Superman Returns because this just feels personal. This feels like a personal film for Brian Singer with what we know of him. Not what we know of him in recent years, but what we knew of him at the time. And so this is the sort of thing that I thought would become a, a blossom into a very cohesive, very personal, uh, telling sort of small stories on a big canvas. And it, it didn't quite become that, although arguably X2 does it. But yeah, that's it for me. We're off to a pretty good start, I think. Yeah, can't really argue with that. I mean, it's a strong start. I think people kind of very often, you know, because franchise has been running for such a long time. Um, and as you know, as you'll see as we go on, it is kind of decline as we go on variable quality. Um, yeah, very strong start, definitely. Um, watching this, probably I've not seen it since it was last certainly been on TV, but certainly not within maybe like the last 10 years, for example. Um, I was still pleasantly surprised, even though I watched um, a DVD watched it on um, Disney Plus, for example. Um, I was surprised by how, how well the effects did up, <laughs> and I thought, oh no, this is just going to be terrible, but it wasn't. Um, obviously, all the cast on fine form, um, but I, would, I definitely sort of agree. Um, obviously, I'm vaguely studying this at uni as well, obviously, in terms of um, in terms of a, um, like a career narrative, for example, or anybody who's, I say used to him other, but I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but um, like whether you're from like LGBTQI or if you you know, if you kind of, if you're from like a minority, for example, or you can also read, in, read into it how like um, during like McCarthyism sort of era as well, for example. Um, again, the themes are very, very on the nose, but that's fine because that's setting the, you know, that's um, setting the worldview of the film. Um, but yeah, definitely off to a really strong start. Um, and I'm certainly looking forward to this first trilogy of, of the films as, you know, as we go on. Yeah, I, I think it kind of starts a, a trend of like not sort of talking down to your audience, so to speak. Um, it kind of knows what it is and sort of makes and base it in a real enough world. But again, it's not embarrassed to have like, you know, jets hidden in the back at schools kind of thing. It still, it still knows that like, oh, it's an X-Men film. I'm just going to get on with it. Um, and I think it handles its, its issues quite well. I think it, you know, it, 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 it handles the plot really efficiently. Um, and overall it kind of comes across as like, um, a really decent pilot. I keep I keep you know fearing that the X Men really should be like a TV show, and I kept and that's what I keep thinking about about this film. It kind of feels like uh, your your first like sort of feature length pilot of of the series, and then like it's which sets everything up, and then you have like the show like sort of continue and develop. Well, I, think, I think it's it add to that. Forget the size of the cast a minute, because I mean the cast are all names; they're, they're all relatively mm. expensive. Although Patrick Stewart is working in television at the moment, but um, there's nothing here you couldn't do on a TV budget now. That's the yeah. thing as well. So you know, if you tried this in the year 2000 on a TV budget, it would just have to be really, really, really scaled back. Well, that's not really the case now. You can do most of what you can do on the big screen and this film is not wildly over ambitious that way anyway mm. but it, I mean it's, it's no, it, no. 
Well, I just no, think you, you, if you tell the stories, I think this is the start of. Let's just tell a good story, and and the audience will will not find it because obviously this this had a massive marketing campaign behind it. But when you watch Batman and Robin, it's totally like and Batman Forever, in my opinion. Although I know I know a lot of people like that film, but it's like let's get we want to sell toys to kids. So let's make it kiddie, 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 kiddie. Um, the later Superman films went a bit more sort of basic, you know, with even the dialogue. This isn't, I, I wouldn't say this is like super gritty, and I, but I wouldn't say it's primarily saying we're for kids or we're for adults. They're, they're, just, they're just telling a story on this canvas. This canvas is comic book. And I just think it, it was quite refreshing at the time. And I think we forget that at our peril because films, you know, the comic book films of around this standard are quite common now. X2 less yeah. so. I think X2 still, still stands as one of the better, but we'll test that this week when I watch it again. But yeah, I think as it stands, this is like a good starting point um, to, to, to sort of jump off on. I mean, yeah, we you know we talked about like you know, you know, you know particularly like Scott doesn't really get much uh, much looking, but. You know, it's the first film you could. That, that, that's that's not anything you can easily sort of fix in the next film, so to speak, uh, kind of thing. In or in future installments, it's you know this is like this sets up who the characters who they are. Uh, this is the world, and um, you know, and 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 here you are. You know, it's and it does does a decent enough job, and it, you know, and and it's absolutely fine. I mean, certainly the sort of the gay allegory aspect of this is built, built, uh, built up a little bit more next week because I mean you've got Bobby having to come out to his parents as a mutant, uh, you yeah. know, and and things like that. Uh, we are going. X three was an odd one for me when we get to the third one because I actually, for all the flaws with it, I enjoyed it okay, but X two really made me think that something very special was a, was possible in this art form. Uh, in in this in this genre, and I, I'm not quite sure it often got to that level again. But there are films I'm going to enjoy as we go through these very very much. But with this first one, Chris, I feel that I might not be enjoying it as much as I could do. Is it your lack of knowledge? It's the fact that I'm watching it, and to be honest. They might as well be talking in like Russian or something because I, I I'm not sure I'm fully understanding all of it. I think that five random facts about the film would help me to get more from get more from my viewing. What five random facts that you know that has been quickly sort of uh, looked on the IBD, IBD trip? Yeah, yeah, some, something you can, you can find fast and not think too much about. <laughs> yeah. I think you guys provided quite a lot of factors at the start of the show. Perhaps one or two of them I've already heard somewhere. I, th- I, th- I think I think that would be great. Do you see your would, travels? Would that help you, Chris? I mean, I can't see why it wouldn't. Well, but where can we find such things? I don't know, Becca. I've spoken from the barrel of IMDb.com. <laughs> from the barrel scrapings of the internet. Of IMDb trivia. Actually, I think one has come from imdb.com, and then the rest have come from elsewhere on Tinderwebs, so. Alright then. Oh, okay. I thought I'd try to go back and see if I had any of my lecture notes from 
2003 or whatever it was. The second one's going to be a lemon I... meringue. She got it from the BBC Good Food website or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Halle, um, Mary Berry's cookbook. Mary, Halle Berry's cookbook. Halle cookbook. Yeah. yeah, so five random facts. So fun fact number one, the first ever X-Men movie script was actually written for Orion Pictures back in 1984. Oh, my gosh. Imagine what that would have been like. Um, Orion. Fun fact number two, yeah. speaking of Tyler Mayne, the Sabretooth, as we did earlier, um, apparently he was only hired um, to be there to, um, yeah, to arrange all the stunts on the film, um, but obviously they thought he had the right look. Um, even though he didn't return for X2 or any of the other sequels, um, he did provide the voice for his character in the video game, which was released between X2 and The Last Stand. Fun fact number three, Ian McLean and Patrick Stewart had to learn how to play chess for this film because they didn't know, so they had to get a chess master in and give them some tutoring. Fun fact number four, Rebecca Romaine spent over nine hours of makeup to be transformed into Mystique, but whilst wearing the makeup, she um, couldn't like use any skin creams or drink wine or anything because it would save her, um, change her body chemistry, so all the prosthetics would would, uh, would fall off. And she could only wear uh, lenses for like an hour at a time and had like 10% vision out of them. Fun fact number five, shortly after accepting the role of Agito, Ian McKern was offered to play, obviously, the role of Gandalf. Um, so... We had to decline, but so they did a bit of magic with the schedules um, and allowed him to bug off to New Zealand in early 2000 to film his parts. Um, as obviously to film his parts? I never film saw his parts, before. yes, to film his part as, uh, as Gandalf. Um, obviously, that had been back-to-back production since late, late 1999. So I think that was really cool. It allowed him to do both, even though um, you know, it was literally on the, on the other side of the world. But I think that just goes to show that... Yeah, you, you can command all the legendary roles. They let they do the uh, they CG the eyes later on for. Uh, not, yeah, not, you, not yeah, you can stage, see it. Not at this stage. Um, but there you go. Um, that's that. I've got to say, that's fun, folks. Yeah, so it, it's just crazy to think that you know, Hugh Jackman nearly wasn't in this. Yeah, I just think what, what um, would have been, what would have been. And um, we would have had like a like a, a, a Scottish Dew Grey Scott. Yeah. Would it have been as successful, or do you think I mean, it would have been better or worse? It, it always makes you wonder what it would have been like. I mean, I, I don't think it probably would have been a star-making role as it was for Hugh Jackman. Or, you know, maybe the film just won't work, but I don't know. I, I don't know that it would have ruined the film. I think the series would have been all right. Would, would Wolverine, that incarnation, be as iconic? Yeah, we've had this film today. I tend to, I tend to doubt it, and I tell you exactly why. I think it's firstly, I think, I think Hugh Jackman's talented. Full stop. I always have done, but secondly, it is that Clint Eastwood quality to him. Dockery Scott doesn't have that. It's you know, I mean, I've always thought outside of Wolverine, uh, Hugh Jackman <laughs> would have been a really, really good action star. Uh, you know, he hasn't actually done any other action roles. Well, he started really. off as a song and dance man, didn't he? Yeah. Other than like sort of start like is it is it is it Swordfish that film we did with Travolta? Yeah, that's like kind of an action film. Yeah, um, that's where Halle Berry got an extra half a million dollars just to show her tits get... for a couple of seconds. <laughs> like good, good, good on you for like managing to negotiate that. Uh, yeah. The front uh, Hugh Jackman in recent years apparently he's just finishing a biopic of Enzo Ferrari and he's going to be playing Ferrari. Um. The man, not the car. Um, he was in The Front Runner, which was a film about Gary Hart. Now, Gary Hart ran for president in 1984 and 8, and it was like a sex scandal that brought him down. I vaguely remember it. I vaguely, vaguely remember that second run. I reviewed that for Set the Tape a couple of years ago, and it was okay. It was fine. He did The Greatest Showman, which just took off. That just became so popular. Mm. 
I saw him in Eddie the Eagle, which I think was uh, the guy who made... Um, he was quite good in that, I thought. The guy who made Rocket Man made that, Dexter Fletcher. Yeah, he was in... Um, what was that? Was it a press gang? Yeah. Yeah. With a really bad American accent as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But obviously, obviously works a lot with um, Matthew Vaughan. Yeah, he does. He? He's yes, in that well, he's, he stepped in to finish um, the Eddie Mer- uh, Mercury film. Yeah. Freddie Mercury. Eddie Mercury movie? I think I was going to say Eddie Murphy, and then I realised... Which one he's, he's made so many movies. Um, Hugh Jackman was in Les Miserables a few years ago. Real Steel. Australia. I'm literally just... British Showman as well, P.T. Barnum film. And obviously The Prestige, which was magnificent. Um, the worst film I've ever seen him in was Van Helsing. I, d- I barely made it through that. What's she called? I think I remember, Be- saw that. I remember Beckins- going to see that at cinema and Kate- I tried to do the, the ride at Universal and was uh, like, no, it's too scary. Kate Beckinsale was so bad in that film, it was like she was in a spoof. <laughs> it was just really, really bad. Swordfish wasn't a film to everybody else. Oh, he did a TV movie version of Oklahoma. Yeah, he did start off as like song and dance. Yeah, and then he's kind of gone back to it with Les Mis and Pretty Showman. Yeah, he's done Gast- uh, Gaston in the uh, Beauty and the Beast uh, yep. stage. Very good he was too. He's, he's, he's kind of perfect for that, really. Yeah. He's got the biceps to match. Oh, the other film I struggled, but it's Darren Aronofsky, so I was bound to, was The Fountain. Mm. I found that unwatchable dreck as well. Oh, I've not seen it. Um, I just don't like Darren Aronofsky, to be fair. He thinks he's cleverer than he is. So He's not a... All, not I, can, a... all I can say is, well done, Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I forgot Tyler Mayne was uh, Mike Myers in the remakes. Because I'm, oh, I'm not yes. sure the the first of the Halloween remakes. Because I'm not a big horror fan, as, as everybody knows. But mm. the Halloween remake was better. The Rob than, Zombie one. Yeah, it was better than it yeah. had any right to be. It still creates the ultimate problem that you are giving too much backstory that doesn't need to be given. But I did find it interesting that kids sort of descent into like madness and stuff. Because um, you see a load of that. But Mike Myers is like too big because it's Tyler Mayne. But I actually didn't mind the first one, the first remake. It's not the Carpenter film, but it's all right. I've only seen that once. Um, the 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 sort of two thousands ish remake, and at the cinema. Two thousand and seven, um, it was. Yeah, that was him. And I kind of just remember it. You know, like I mean, I, th- I think I enjoyed it up enough at the time. Yeah. But I think thinking back, it was just like again, it's yeah, pointless. You, you've added like a, a, a pointless. You've basically um, sexed it up. You, you've given it a load of backstory we didn't need. Although the kid in it was brilliant. You've you've, you've sexed it up to to give a role to your wife in there, and I didn't really see the point. But it was still better than I thought it was going to be, and I found it quite watchable. It was all right. Yeah. Um. It, I never. I, like, I never saw the second one. It just felt like half film. Like was backstory. Uh, that didn't, that that exists, and then the second film was just like a very rushed remake. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it's it's almost like a superhero or, origin film. Like only the only the last fifty minutes is like you know Green Goblin um, or whatever. I I thought um and um yeah and and the new Halloween I uh I yeah I found entertaining but uh, although really I like I, um I, it does not deserve the oh the new of, one yeah, I, I there was a load of hype over that I thought it was crap. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I have, I have way so many issues with that, with that, just because it kind of wants its cake and eat it. I did, so, like, I did like, not it, like it, it at all. It, 
it, it spent the entire time going like, well, the whole premise is, all right, well, we're completely rebooting it, so it's like... They're not related, the only, no. the only one, The only one canon is the original. So, okay, fine. But then it kind of like... It kind of wanted it to like have all its own origin, so you got those those podcasters going like, "What's special about the mask? Like, what what is it about the mask?" He's like, "Well, he's used that mask once." At that point, like, yeah. It, it, like, yeah. The, the only other time where he's killed people is he grabbed a rubber random mask with a clown. So if you're going to exactly. be faithful, yeah, the, the, you, the mask you, is irrelevant. You basically said only the first film's canon, but we want the iconography of the rest of the series yeah. as well, please. And the only and the, the, the only effect on the story is he's now not related to Laurie. There's zero character development. Like they've got like the 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 the, the, the yeah they got you got like the the daughter of um, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. and and her daughter yeah and nothing happens with them whatsoever. No, nope, nothing at all. Um, and the pacing is horrendous as well. It takes forever got, to do anything. You, you, you've got you've got you, you've got some nice comedic moments, which okay, fine, but okay. But again, you go nowhere, and again, it's like I, I, feel like I keep thinking like Halloween H2O kind of did Jamie Lee Curtis better because it, again, it kind of has this whole Jamie Lee Curtis is this like veteran, like I, I'm, I'm like you know, I know, I know the danger coming, but we, we think about it, it's like that makes more sense if you play into the into the world where that's his sister, so she's like been for a few battles and. Knows. I like no. H two O. It's the he, only. It's the only one apart from the original I really like. Well, but... you, th- you think that's that, got like, Janet Leigh in it, and the original it, Psycho car. It does. Yeah. And if you want, and if you see, if you anyone seen H like Halloween H two O, there, there's a bit where she's she basically. I thought it was H twenty, but everyone still calls it H two O. It's like. <laughs> it's um. She she she, she, she there's a bit where she basically displays someone who is traumatized. So she sees like sort of Michael Myers and reflection in, in the window when he isn't really there. And she's like doing like the alcoholic the alcoholic thing where she necks a glass of wine and orders a new one while there's while like a partner's like gone to the bathroom kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like really well done. It's like that that character is where the Jamie Lee Curtis from the original would be if if that was the only thing that's happened. If that if you're following on like yeah. years later and that's that is that is the she'll be someone who's traumatized. The, the version we saw would be the would be the one that's in the rest of the series. I canon because she knows as he's my brother. He's going to come for me no matter what. I've got to get prepared. I'm going to sort of. Do you know what I mean? It 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 kind of wants its cake and eat it. And I was just thinking, you, you're not clever. That but the guy who does most of the horror writing it set the tape gave it like an effusive, very very long five star mm-hmm. review. So it did talk to some people. It did. Uh, but what else? They're wrong. I mean, did I? I, I, yeah, I tell you what, and I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm, From the director I, of Your Highness, and the pilot. I, I, I do, I, I do apologise. You know, obviously you're right, but I think what that is was it, it gave grit, and that's all it is. It's like it's the heft of the violence, and that's what people are drawn to. It's like, oh, that's what it is. But really, the film itself is kind of crap, and 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 that, that's all I'm saying is like, yeah, as a film, as a as a as a thing you could watch. Yes, it's got Michael Myers doing Michael Myers things and just killing thing, killing people in a brutal fashion, and we haven't really seen that for a while, really. Yeah. And and that's and that's what people kind of miss, but the film itself, as a film, is absolute bollocks. So. <laughs> so that that that's all I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to say on the matter. For. 
Um, there you go. Just like, just think but, zero character development, zero, absolutely I, zero. I was just bored shitless by it. And the thing is, I if there's one area of horror I do quite like, is I'm generally on board with the slasher. I, yeah. I I find I think the Scream films are the most overrated series I've ever seen in my life. I don't I don't rate Scream at all. But like I really like the original Halloween, and I like Black Christmas and a couple of others as well. And I like H two O. And this was awful. Scream are so far up its own ass. It's a, <laughs> Scream is doing what Wes Craven's New Nightmare did properly. Oh, it's meant to be a parody. We're well, not a parody of them, but it's meant to be kind of like you know, it's very, very meta. It's very aware. Yeah, but the deconstruction of 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 the horror format was done better in New Nightmare. No, it's done, it's done better elsewhere, definitely. Yeah. But um. I think yeah. yeah so... Again, they've kind of got, you know, got worse and worse as, as it's gone on. So uh, yeah, so Halloween, uh, the two thousand and nineteen one, um, it was that one. It yeah, zero character development, just. Doesn't even understand the original Halloween to even. You, you, you watch the original Halloween; it's very stalkery. Yeah, no. You know, it's a whole build-up. Is just about. Is a lot of it is like, he's he is stalking his prey, and there's nothing. It, you know, doesn't it really hold does a candle not, to it, like the it, yeah the other films. It, it, it it's just like, have you even watched it? You know, you just watched like all the other Halloweens, and then just decide to just ignore the rest and do your own thing. <laughs> and it's like you, you haven't much, put much thought into it. Anyway, no. I'll stop Halloween. This is X Men. <laughs> Coming next. <laughs> the Halloween series. I look forward to seeing Halloween Kills. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I think with that I, I, think I, I gave now. up after the last film. I think to be honest, I saw that one at the cinema and I was like, Nrr. and I thought I probably won't go and see the others. I've just seen I mean, all I'll, of them. I'll, 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 I'll watch it. Then. But yeah, I, I won't see any more. I think. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it, but then. Then part of me's thinking, you know, it, it, might, it might save itself, or um, but then part not of me, not any might... hope. No, but I'll just think I'll watch it, and then when when people try to tell me it's great, I'll just tell them why they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're wrong. To be fair, I don't weigh in on horror very often because it's not my genre. Me saying a horror film is crap no. has absolutely no weight whatsoever because I think most yeah. of them are crap, and it's but that's about me, not them. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, with that highly tight and focused show in the bank, <laughs> you can find me at the Past Kid. I mean, 19th. really, to be listeners, really, what do they expect from us, really? <laughs> uh, no, what, what actually happened there, right, is quite often when we go off the point, it's really quite organic. We just go, oh, yeah, oh, Christ, we've been talking about that for ages. What happened tonight was we realised we whipped through the film in about 17 minutes and thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's yes, like... it's not because the film is bad. Or, you know, it's because it, it, it does rattle through really quickly. It's like an hour and a half, so it's relatively short. But I think next, obviously, not, not that it's terrible or anything, but it's you know, the first film in the series, and as you said, it's more kind of like a proof of concept or like a pilot, for example, for, for a TV show. Um, but I think things do ramp up next next time with X2, so I think we'll, we'll be looking forward to a more meteor review. Yeah, look forward to some more meat from me next week, listeners. <laughs> sorry, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can find me at the Pasta Kid 1976 on Twitter. Hi, you can find me at Cinematronics. You can find all the old episodes on UK as um, as you as they might disappear off iTunes and whatnot. But yes, they're all there if you want to search them. And you can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, and on Twitter, as I said before, at Do You Expect Us To Talk? Or at Expect Us To Talk. No, uh, yeah, sorry, no, at Expect Us To Talk. No, no do you. <laughs>
Yeah, I tried to set up a, another account, but I was like, no, I can't do that. So I thought, wait, I'll just go back to the old-fashioned one. So de- de- depending very much on where you draw the line on sort of modern and classic, you could argue we're about to cover the first great modern superhero film, which means better. Do you switch to talk or return with X-Men 2?